Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday, and so the emphasis is going to be on the fact that we worship the true God, who is one God, and yet he says he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, he is three in one, the triune God. Apart from that, any other God would then be a false God. So with that in mind, we're going to be considering the closing words of the Apostle Paul in his second letter to the Corinthians Um, which is uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and that will be the basis for our sermon this morning. Our first lesson for this Holy Trinity Sunday, also the first Sunday after Pentecost, is found recorded in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was undeveloped and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning, the first day. God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, and let it separate the water from the water. God made the expanse. He separated the water that was below the expanse from the water that was above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening and there was morning the second day. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together to one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. The waters under the sky gathered to their own places and the dry land appeared. God called the dry ground land and the gathering places of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth produce plants, vegetation that produce seed, and trees that bear fruit with seed in it, each according to its own kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth plants, vegetation that produce seed according to its own kind, and trees that bear fruit with seed in it, each according to its own kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the third day. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to divide the day from the night and let them serve as markers to indicate seasons, days, and years. Let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in place in the expanse of the sky to provide light for the earth to rule over the day and night, and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. God said, let the waters swarm with living creatures, and let birds and other winged creatures fly above the earth in the open expanse of the sky. God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their own kind, and every winged bird according to its own kind. 
God saw that it was good. God blessed them when he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters of the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their own kind, livestock, creepy things, and wild animals according to their own kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their own kind and the livestock according to their own kind and everything that creeps on the ground according to its own kind. And God saw that it was good. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that crawls on the earth. God created the man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Look, I have given you every plant that produces seed on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that bears fruit with seed in it and it will be your food. To every animal of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is the breath of life, I have given you every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything he had made, and indeed, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth were finished, along with everything in them. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he re rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had been doing. God blessed the seventh day and set it apart as holy, because on it he rested from all his work of creation that he had done. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, beginning at verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice, set things in order, be encouraged, agree with one another, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, and all the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The word of the Lord. Our gospel is taken from... The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, beginning at verse 16. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some hesitated because they were uncertain. Jesus approached and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and gather disciples from all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and by teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given you. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice, set things in order, be encouraged, Agree with one another, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. 
Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I just watched a video the other day of one gentleman asking another gentleman a question. And the question that was asked, I believe, is a rather common question. You might have even found yourself asking this question. And the question was, where did God come from? I've always answered the question with Genesis 1-1, the very opening verse of the entire Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Where did God come from? Well, he was just always there. The Bible doesn't say and speak in that way of where he came from. It's just he's always there. And therefore, we take God at his word. But the second gentleman answered, I felt in a very strong way, even better than the answer I usually give. He said to the man that you're actually asking the wrong question. Where does God come from? Because your question is based on limiting God. Your question is based on understanding God in the light is God's limited by time, space, and matter. But the God I worship, the God I look to and pray to, is a God who is above any limits. He's limitless. In fact, he's the very God who made time, space, and matter. So clearly, he's apart from it. He said, I'll give you a perfect example. Consider that Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, time, God created the heaven, space, and the earth, matter. God created it all. Nothing is greater than God. And God created everything in six 24-hour days using his almighty word. It's true of even, even everything that we need to support us in this life, like even a numbering system. God created that. No human being came up with it. It was God who, who decided that four comes after three and five comes after four, and that two plus two equals four, and therefore it can't equal anything else. That's foolishness. Same with the calendar. It wasn't the Mayans who came up with the calendar. It was God. He did it on the fourth day when he made the sun, moon, and stars. And then it says to mark out the season, days, and years. He puts the planet and, and, and all the stars and the sun up in the sky, and he put them all in motion. We get a day because the earth rotates once. We get a month. The moon goes around the earth once. We get a year. The earth goes around the sun once. That's 12 months. That's not by accident. God created the calendar. No one else did. And so, because God is limitless, his ways are going to be higher than our ways. His thoughts are going to be greater than our thoughts. And that is definitely true when it comes to understanding who he is. Keep in mind, God is limitless. And so who is the very Lord God? This limitless God will describe himself in the Holy Word as being one God, not many gods. 
as so many other nations want to believe. No, one God. But he also describes himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said that when he told the disciples to baptize. Baptize in the name of God. Baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We have one God we worship who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God who is three distinct persons. They are separate, unique, individual, but only one God. Therefore, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. We do not worship three gods. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not three characteristics of God or three impressions of God or, 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 or three uniqueness of God. No. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. We worship one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because God is limitless, this shouldn't surprise us that who God is is going to be even beyond our understanding. But we believe it because this is how he describes himself. And this makes the one true God unique and distinct from all the other false gods out there because they can't compare. The other thing that is limitless is the blessings we receive from him. The Apostle Paul in his closing letter to the Corinthians, this was the second letter. There was actually another one, so this is actually his third letter. letter. We don't actually have the second one. But the, this one, this what we call 2 Corinthians, he closes like he usually does with a benediction. But this one, he emphasizes three blessings that are truly even beyond our understanding, and yet the Lord blesses them with us. And for that, we cannot thank him enough. Paul closes with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all of our Lord Jesus Christ, the very Lord Jesus who is the Son of God, fully God, who took on human flesh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. This one who took on human flesh, fully God and fully man in one person, is the one who kept the law perfectly, which we could not do as sinful human beings, and he suffered the punishment for sins that we deserved. He suffered it in our behalf. He paid the debt that was required for the sins, our sins, and the sins of the world. Even the sins we inherited, all the guilt and, and all the condemnation connected with it. He suffered it in our behalf so that we would not suffer and die. He saved us. And he did it purely by his grace. Now some dictionaries, and especially the Greek lexicons, will describe grace as favor. I've always felt the word favor was, was rather weak. I can understand it, but really grace is even stronger than just simply God's favor. Some describe grace as like an infused grace. 
a grace that God gives you because it's believed that Jesus, who paid for your sins, didn't really pay for them all. You need to finish the work, and God gives you this infused grace so you can complete the work. Well, I don't find that supported in Scripture anywhere. No, the best definition of grace, and this is even, even weak in and of itself because it's even greater than this. That grace is undeserved love or a never-failing love. It is like loving the unlovable. And so it is by the grace of God that we are saved. It is by the grace of God that you and I have the forgiveness of sins and the hope of everlasting life in heaven. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he always mentions grace in the beginning of his letters, he includes one other word, peace. Grace and peace be to you. Grace, God's favor, God's undeserved love, God's never-failing love, is not just the love that God has inside of him, but it's a love that comes out. It's a love that's seen by God's actions. And that action is peace. And the peace that our soul, our souls so badly need is that peace of forgiveness, that peace of hope, sure hope of heaven itself. This all is possible purely by the grace of God alone. And in connection with that grace, Paul in his concluding words adds this, finally, brothers, rejoice. He calls the, the Christians at Corinth brothers. And brothers can specifically mean biological brother. It can mean a spiritual brother. But also the word brother can be used like mankind, referring to all humankind. In other words, brothers can sometimes be used as referring to whether you're male or female, we're all brothers because the emphasis is not on being biologically male brother, but the emphasis is on the fact that we are family. The very Lord who died and, and won for us eternal salvation is the one that has united us to be a family of believers. And this is purely, purely by the grace of God. And so brothers, sisters, in the faith, rejoice. This is not joy of, of Dorothy going down the yellow brick road to the Wizard of Oz, and as soon as she comes across the witch, ooh, the joy is all over. No, this is joy that is beyond anything like that. This is joy even in the face of suffering and afflictions and trials even in the face of death itself, there's still joy because the victory is won. We have eternal salvation. We cannot thank God enough for it. And all made possible by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot know this grace except to know the Holy Word, because only in the Holy Word, the Bible, is this grace explained and shown and revealed to us. You will find it no place else. And therefore, I cannot emphasize enough to always be in the Word, not only to know about God's grace,
but also to know about God's love. The love of God. It doesn't say the word Father, but because it's sandwiched between Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, clearly referring to God the Father. This love that's spoken of here is a very unique word. In fact, in the original language, the Greeks actually had four words for love. Three of them are used in the Bible. One is, you probably know this, one is that phileous love, that Philadelphia, that brotherly love. One is eros, it's called. And, and this is where we get our English word erotic from. So it's a very sensual love. But the love that's used here concerning the love of God is that Greek word agape love. That's the love that can only be understood in the light of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is an unconditional love, a never-failing love. This is a love that sees a problem and does something about it. This is a love that is kind and compassionate and truly undeserving as well. In fact, the word love and this word God, the exact words, are the exact words used in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That it was God the Father who sent the Son, and this was done purely out of love, and through faith in him we are saved. Love. By the way, it is because of this love of God that we are empowered and that we are strengthened to even love one another. And concerning one loving one another, Paul also writes, set things in order, be encouraged, agree with one another, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Set things in order. Literally, it means be restored. The Corinthians, by the way, was, when you read these letters, Paul speaks very strongly to them. He loved them dearly. But they had so many um, issues within their church, spiritual issues, doctrinal issues, um, even sexual issues he had to deal with as he wrote about sexual immorality. And... And in the opening words in 1 Corinthians, he had to even deal with the internal fighting that was going on among the brothers and sisters in Christ who would think that in a church everyone would get along and love each other, but there was all this strife and taking sides and, and, and then hurting each other and, and attacking each other and lording it over each other and all this internal fighting. And of course, Satan loves that because guess what doesn't get done? The work of the Lord when we're spending and wasting and consuming time trying to deal with each other instead of proclaiming Christ's name to another. And so Paul, in writing his letters, he tells them to be restored, to be united around that love of God that loved them first, founded on Jesus Christ who gave his life for them. He tells them to be encouraged and to be at peace, agreeing with one another. Well, how can two people agree with one another when they're two different people?
people and come from different cultures and different ways of thinking and we're even raised differently. The one thing that unites us to agree with one another is the very word of God and that centers in the triune God and in Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. United in Christ, united in the Lord, clinging to that love of God, we love one another even putting other people's interests above our own and being at peace. In fact, Paul's prayer is, the God of love and peace be with you because that's the only way we'll have love and peace. Because of these words and others, I've always encouraged in my pre-marriage counseling for couples not to just simply love each other. And above all, I definitely do not teach that you need to have a 50-50 in your relationship. 50% giving and 50% taking. I can tell you now, that's the definition for divorce. Agape love is not 50-50. Agape love is giving 100% and expecting nothing in return. This is the love that God calls for in marriage. And that's why I always tell couples that when it comes to getting married and and saying their vows of faithfulness to each other. Do it out of love for the Lord, and out of love for the Lord for one another. In other words, as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, as you grow in his holy word, don't be surprised that you grow in your relationship with one another, and especially in love. This is true of all relationships. But we can never know what love really is unless we are in his word and understand his word and take to heart his word. That's also true when it comes to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The word fellowship here is the very same word that the Apostle Paul used in his first letter to the Corinthians when he dealt with abuses concerning the Lord's Supper. Recall these words. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a communion of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a communion of the body of Christ? The word communion there is the word fellowship. That means the sharing and, and participation there together. The Holy Spirit fellowships with us. He doesn't do it out of thin air because he floats around. He lives within our hearts. And he does so always testifying of the gospel, the good news of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually calls us to faith. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually, through that gospel, strengthens our faith. Here God tells us to believe in Jesus and we'll be saved. And the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, giving us the very faith that we lack in, that we fail in. Even our faith is a gift of God. Yes, you're doing the believing, but not without the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who's testifying in your heart. And because of the Holy Spirit and his fellowship, we show that fellowship in the way we treat one another. Paul writes, greet one another with a holy kiss, and all the saints greet you. A holy kiss? This is not a command. This is an invitation. At the time
time that was their culture. They would give each other this holy kiss. My guess is, I don't know exactly what it is, my guess is it's not much different than in some cultures giving a person a kiss on both sides of the cheek. In our culture here, we pretty much offer our hand and, and shake another person's hand or give another person a hug. We express our love and our fellowship with one another even by those things that we do. And then to say, all the saints greet you, that you're part of even a bigger family, that, that all the believers that are out there, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. And notice he doesn't say all the other sinners greet you. He says the saints greet you because you've been washed clean by the blood of Christ, which the Holy Spirit has created in your heart to believe. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We would not understand this beautiful blessing unless we understood the Holy Word of God and take to heart that Holy Word of God. And I cannot emphasize enough the importance to be in that Word, to grow in that Word, to learn that Word, take to heart that Word, as you always take to heart that it is God's Word. And our God is limitless. When I was at the seminary, I recall all the classes the professors would usually end with a prayer. But there was one professor who didn't end with just a prayer. He would always close each class with the words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I was always so touched by that that I decided from that day on as a pastor, every counseling session, every Bible class, Every meeting that I have, I will always close it with the words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I don't say these words because these are just words to say and it gives an amen to the end of the class. I say these words because they remind us that we just gathered for worship, even with a meeting, absolutely. And who's overseeing all meetings and counseling and worship? and gatherings, but the very triune God, who is one God, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the triune God, who has blessed us with the greatest blessings that you and I can't live without. In fact, blessings we thank God for each and every moment of our lives. Grace, love, fellowship. And so I say to you, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, always. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. 
S-A-L-E-M-E-V-L-U-T-H-E-R-A-N dot O-R-G. May God bless you today and every day.